It's Friday, everyone. Welcome to The Daily Oz. My name is Sam, and joining me today to tell us the headlines that are going to see us into the weekend is Zara. I am particularly pumped because tonight we are kicking off the Tokyo Olympic Games. Zara, what's making headlines here at home? First up, we've got a COVID update for the country. New South Wales yesterday recorded a record high of 124 locally acquired cases, and 48 of those cases were infectious in the community. When pressed on whether the Premier was still looking to get to that zero transmission, here's what Gladys Berejiklian had to say about the Delta variant. There's no doubt that uh, Delta has beaten every single jurisdiction in, in the world, but that's why we've always said in New South Wales that we want to get close to zero in terms of um, the numbers of people infectious in the community. Also in Victoria, there were 26 locally acquired cases, but the good news was that all of them were linked and 24 of those cases were in isolation throughout their infectious period. So as we've been saying this whole time, this is the new number that health authorities are really focusing on. Over in South Australia, there were two locally acquired cases of COVID-19 as the state entered another day of lockdown. I take responsibility for the vaccination program. I also take responsibility for the challenges we've had. Obviously, some things within our control, some things that are not. And uh, I'm keen to ensure, as we have been over these many months, that we've been turning this around. I'm certainly sorry that we haven't been able to achieve the marks that we had hoped for at the beginning of this year. That was Prime Minister Scott Morrison apologising for the federal government's role in the vaccine rollout this year. There's been a little bit of media games this week getting the Prime Minister to say the word sorry. It started on FM radio and it's gone across two press conferences culminating in yesterday. Morrison also announced that by the end of the month, an additional 470 pharmacies around Australia are going to be able to administer the AstraZeneca vaccine. There's currently 118 pharmacies around Australia vaccinating the community. So we're now talking about international news and France has introduced a health pass that shows proof of a COVID-19 vaccination or a negative test after the country saw a rise in cases from the Delta variant. This health pass, which is kind of similar to a vaccine passport, will be required for cinemas, museums, sport venues and places catering to more than 50 people. The introduction has triggered countrywide protests with over 100,000 people taking to the streets on Sunday, which doesn't seem overly conducive when there is an outbreak. The pass was initially for large-scale festivals or for clubbing, but it's now been expanded in the wake of this outbreak. And the good news, we are expecting a massive TV audience for the Olympic Games opening ceremony, which starts tonight at about 8.30pm Eastern Standard Time. The preliminary events have actually begun already. We've had softball and soccer already kick off. Sam, did you watch the softball? Answer honestly. I am well-versed in Australian softball now, thanks to these preliminary sports. Anyone who knows me knows that I am not the most well-versed when it comes to sport. And though Sam has been speaking about the Olympics every single day leading up to today, I have been ignoring him for the most part. I was thinking, however, the other day about the fact that I don't actually know how countries and cities are chosen to host the Olympics. And obviously we saw the good news about Brisbane being the host city in 2032. But Sam, I did want you to just run through how that happens and why cities, I mean, obviously there's an economic imperative, but why cities are so eager to host the Games. On the loving of the Olympics front, I will convert you in a matter of days. Once you see a flurry of activity on your TV screen, Besides the fact that you can't actually leave your house, so you have to watch it. 
Okay, so here's a quick summary on how the host city is picked for the Olympic Games. There was basically an old way, and then in 2019, it changed to a new way. Here's a quick summary of the new way. Until recently, cities wanting to host the Olympics had to put together these massive proposals that would often cost three or four million dollars to compile. Why does a proposal cost four million dollars? It costs that much because there was this culture of aggressive lobbying. So, similar to the FIFA World Cup, we have legendary stories of. IOC, the International Olympic Committee representatives, traveling to a host city candidate to check it out and finding a beautiful diamond necklace under their pillows, and that's how some of the costs come up. There was massive lobbying efforts that were done all within the rules, so it wasn't even a matter of corruption. It just was there was not much regulation around the system. This crazy bidding process. Culminated in a vote from the executive board of the IOC, and it was always pretty clear which country would win well before they were announced as the host. That bit, interestingly, hasn't actually changed. What has changed is how much transparency there is in the system. There is a big focus on ideas such as a country's human rights record and the environmental considerations that a candidate city can offer. So the process can begin as early as you know, fourteen, fifteen years before the Olympic Games. I mean, Brisbane have just been announced; it's in eleven years' time, and their process has been about two or three years. What happens is that a future host commission is made up. There's actually two of them, and their interested parties around the world kind of come together to launch informal and confidential exchanges with potential IOC voting members. So that's basically when they table their interest, and there you can get kind of four or five cities throwing their hands up and saying, "We really want to host the games in 15 years' time, and this is why." It's where the first checks and balances around things like if it's possible to construct the venues that you need for an Olympics in that city, if the costs are going to be manageable, and if there's environmental and human rights considerations that need to be discussed. After that, the IOC executive board targets a couple of cities to enter into a more direct dialogue. It's at the end of this process that we get what we call the IOC's preferred city, and that's the city that the IOC names before the vote. Saying we want this city to host the next games because we think they've got the most going for them, and that happened with Brisbane, right? It did, yeah. So leading into the vote on Wednesday night, Brisbane was the IOC preferred city, and quite often what you'll see, and this happened on Wednesday night, you'll see every other city drop out of the race in the weeks leading up to this major vote. The vote normally happens in the days before an Olympic Games in another city. I think one of the key differences between the new system and the old system that I find really interesting is that there's no big pitch event. There's no kind of expensive proposal. There's no trip out by a delegation. It's a continuous dialogue. So an IOC member might travel four or five times to a potential host city to check them out before the games, and that actually, in a funny way, reduces the costs. Because there's no extravagant affair put on for the IOC delegation. It's more about continuous discussions and the forming of a relationship to find out which city is best to host the games. In terms of why a city or a country wants to host the Olympics, there's a couple of key reasons. The first of which, which we cannot ignore, is economic. It is a massive economic boost. Brisbane is expected to have about 13 billion dollars of tourism money and attention streaming into the city in the. Actual event alone, but what it also does is it inflates property prices in the area. It helps businesses and it makes people want to set up shop 
in Brisbane. So it often leads to massive amount of economic growth in the years before and after. Sydney is a great example of the lasting economic effect of the Olympic Games. The other reasons, though, are less tangible and they're more around morale and national identity and positioning the country to be a leader in hosting international events. You'll often see the fact that the countries hosted the Olympics come up in applications to host the FIFA World Cup or another global event or even political forums like an APEC conference or a G7 conference. It's all about positioning yourself to be capable of executing such a massive event and also thriving. Well, here's to hoping that by 2032, our borders are open, we don't have lockdowns, and we are fully vaxxed. On that note, we hope you all have a wonderful weekend. If you are in lockdown, take care of yourself and enjoy the Olympics coverage all weekend. We will be here with you on Instagram. We will chat to you on Monday.